Hello, my name is Katie, and this is the Truth for Your 20s podcast. Put on your seatbelts. We're going to talk about pornography today. Yes, we are <laughs> not shying away from the juicy topics, but this is important. This is a great conversation, and I'm so excited to have a representative from Fight the New Drug. Welcome to the podcast, Parker. Yeah, thanks for having us. We appreciate it so much. Yes. When I first found out about you guys, I remember um, I was colleagues with a PhD of sexual health and I, I learned a lot from him. And he first told me, have you heard of Fight the New Drug? And I'm like, no. He's like, oh man, you got to dive into this organization and they're doing so many great things. And and you are now that I follow on social media. And this is actually the second interview I've got to do with an amazing representative from your organization. And so I'm just, I'm thrilled to be able to talk with you. Yeah, we appreciate you having us back and uh, we're grateful to be able to dive into this. We think it's important, you know, for young people. So it's a great audience to be talking about this with. It is important. It is important. Okay. So if people were like me uh, a few years ago, had never heard of Fight, can you just kind of explain what it is that you guys do? Absolutely. So Fight the New Drug's mission statement is that we're a non-religious, non-legislative nonprofit that exists to allow individuals to make an informed decision on the topic of pornography by raising awareness on its harmful effects using only science, facts, and personal accounts. That's a, that's a mouthful, right? It's so good, though. <laughs> I love it. Yes. So you just spit straight facts on the internet. <laughs> yeah, we're just trying to raise awareness regardless of any diversifying factor. Porn impacts everybody regardless of uh, whether someone's religious or not, regardless of any diversifying factor. Porn impacts all of us. Right. Uh, and we want to bring to light the readily available research that's sometimes hard to access or understand and make it attainable and digestible for people of all backgrounds. Yeah. So. Yeah. And we're going to get into the facts too, I'm sure. But um, I guess maybe if you could just talk to us about, um, yeah, what are some of the, I know there's, there's pages and pages of them, but you know, there's very common misconception of, oh, it doesn't hurt anybody. So this is kind of just something I'm going to do for entertainment and, and I'll turn it off, so to speak, when I get married, or I'll turn it off if my girlfriend or boyfriend doesn't like it. I know that's untrue, but I would love for you to just kind of unpack, you know, why and, and stuff like that. Yeah, the the almost impossible but short almost impossible to give you short answer. Yeah, I'll try no, to and give it's you the okay. Answer. Talk away. This is good stuff. The, no, the short answer is that porn impacts individuals' relationships and Glory society. Cattle. So whether you're an individual, porn is going to impact you because it can be habit forming, it can be addictive, it can impact mental health. Whether it's relationships, because it impacts what we love. It impacts how much we love. It impacts how we think about the people that we love. Uh, teaches us to objectify people. Uh, it, people are less happy in relationships when a partner is consuming pornography, or whether it's our society and broader issues. Right, the fact that pornography is created means the fact that there's a demand for it. I mean, and the fact that it's created means that it's often used by those who would seek to abuse, especially minors, as a way to groom them. So the fact that someone creates a demand for that content means it's produced, and that means that content is now available for someone to use to groom a minor and participating in illegal sexual behaviors or sex trafficking. You know, a lot of people don't understand that pornography and sex trafficking are inseparably connected and that there's no such thing as ethical porn. Right. Regardless of marketing campaigns or new apps, there's no such thing as ethical pornography. And we have a lot of research and personal accounts to show that that's just not possible. So that's kind of the the short answer that porn impacts individuals, relationships and society as a whole. Yeah. No. Okay. So good. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I wanted to talk about that, the, the demand and how it, 
I'm a marketing background. And so I just find it so yeah. interesting that, you know, that we tell companies what we want to see more of. We show up to the yeah. box office and say, you know, million dollars for, for this movie. Guess what? They're, the next time they're going to be like looking at the numbers, let's do something similar to this. And so we, in, in an ideal world, <laughs> there would be no demand for pornography because this is damaging relationships and, and the world and, and so many things. So I guess if you could maybe just unpack that a little bit, because if we, demand it, they will make more of it. And then, and so it goes and so it goes. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that we see in the research is that when people consume pornography, they end up, it becomes an escalating behavior. So for example, when someone smokes a cigarette for the first time, that behavior over time escalates, the brain becomes desensitized. So it needs more nicotine. So you'll see people smoke one cigarette and then at some point they're smoking multiple and then if the behavior really escalates they start smoking maybe a pack of cigarettes or two packs of cigarettes a day and that process in the brain is called desensitization and the same thing happens with pornography but with porn it's a little bit more complex people not only need more porn more frequently but they end up needing more extreme forms of content mm -hmm. uh which often means more and more unhealthy or even sometimes illegal behaviors yeah. And so the, the fact that it's an escalating behavior means that the content over time becomes more and more and more extreme that people are seeking out, essentially. Yeah. And then in turn, thinking that this is normal and this is the way you should treat your partner and getting in a hopefully loving, committed relationship and thinking this is normal and acting out terrible things and not creating a healthy relationship, I'm sure. Yeah, that objectification that we talked about earlier. Unfortunately, pornography leads to a culture of objectification. The, the research shows that individuals who consume porn are more likely to objectify the people around them, including the people they love and care about. And so the problem with that is that, you know, objectification is no longer seeing someone as a human with thoughts, feelings and emotions, someone that has a sense of humor, the things that you admire about them. And instead, you just see them as something to be used rather than something to be loved. And so we know if people are consuming pornography and it causes objectification, that it's contributing to the culture we have of objectification right now. And that leads down other problematic rabbit holes as well, right? Whether uh, that's sexting or sending nudes, which for minors is a, a really big problem because it's legally exchanging child pornography, even between minors. And there's long lasting repercussions for young people because of that. But even if you're an adult, but you're a young adult, the problem is that I would have to pull up the exact stat, but I believe it's one in 12 people today report having been a victim of, uh, sexual exploitative material. So someone basically sharing their nudes without their permission and one in 20 people report having been a perpetrator. Uh, yeah. One in 12 report having been victims of image-based sexual abuse and one in 20 people report having been a perpetrator. So it really has some impacts when we're talking about a culture of objectification because pornography creates a sense of entitlement. People yeah. think that they're more entitled to someone's body, to their images, to their content and you may willingly send photos to someone and think that you're in a loving relationship, that relationship may change in the future. And then those photos are shared as revenge porn or image-based sexual abuse. They're shared among other people without permission. Mm -hmm. And it's really a growing problem. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yes. I can imagine it just like dominoes of bad decisions. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, obviously there's a lot of reasons why it's bad. I'm curious does it affect women differently than men? Are there different st stats on that? You know, as far as we know, porn impacts everyone regardless of any diversifying factor. Okay. One of the things that we talk about with parents 
is there's still kind of a, a mentality that like boys struggle with pornography, but that's simply not true for, yeah. for young people today or young adults today that grew up in the digital age. We know that 84% of 14 to 18 year old males and 57% of 14 to 18 year old females mm-hmm. have viewed consumed or been exposed to pornography. So there's not like a huge discrepancy there. The majority of males and females, 14 to 18 year olds have been exposed to pornography and consumed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and unfortunately for many of the listeners today, they may be my age or just a little bit younger and they were likely exposed to porn at a really young age. We know that the majority of kids today are exposed to porn between 11 and 13, some exposed as young as seven years old. And that has only seeming, it seems to only get younger, the more technology advances. You know, when I was a kid, my first exposure was that someone had like the first iPod that had like a screen or whatever, uh, like the first video. I can't even remember what they were called back in the day, but like the first video iPod or whatever. This was probably like 2000 and eight or something, you know, or seven, maybe it was a long time ago. And I was probably like 12 or, oh yeah, I was probably like 06 or 07 or something. I was probably 12 or 13. And, uh, they were like, Hey man, check this out. And I was like, Whoa, what is going on? And so now you just imagine, you know, back then someone had to like take that iPod, go plug it into a computer. And then they probably had to do some things on the back end of the software to get it to accept videos or whatever, or it may have been like the first generation of video iPods and they could just like plug it in and download a video to it or whatever. But now it's just like the internet's just in your pocket, you know, it's more accessible, available and anonymous than ever before. So, well, I was interviewing someone else on this and think about even pre-internet people had to go to a magazine store, you know, books a million or whatever, give money, you know, in the shame of exchanging money for this magazine that had a black cover over it to get a penthouse or playboy or whatever and, or or find your VHS. I, I don't know, but obviously it is way too easy now and way too available, yeah. which is why we see these younger. And the problem is that the pornography that exists today is entirely different, right? Yeah. It, the the reason we exist is because pornography is no longer like we wouldn't, we wouldn't uh, even necessarily, the research wouldn't that we share isn't even necessarily talking about like images in a magazine. It's yeah. the fact that pornography has become violent mm-hmm. uh, and intense and that is likely due to that escalating behavior that we talked about earlier, because it's escalating behavior. It creates demand for more extreme content, which means that someone will produce that content. Mm-hmm. People like money. Like if, yeah. if there's an opportunity to make money creating extreme content, someone's, someone somewhere will do it. And so, yeah, reducing that demand is, is really key. But I want to be clear. We have shared a lot of like heavy statistics and I'm not here to shame anyone or make anyone feel bad. I'm not here to scare anybody. Mm-hmm. That's not our goal. It's not healthy and it's not helpful. It doesn't help anyone get better. Instead, what we want to do is help educate and raise awareness because there's a lot of young people today that don't have a partner and they're like, well, it's not that big of a deal. And we do want to raise awareness on its arms and help explain why it actually is a big deal and that you're probably likely not just going to quit when you do get a partner. But even even if you could, that doesn't mean that it's okay to be consuming it right now. It's going to create unhealthy expectations for future relationships. It's still creating a demand for sexual exploitation. There's still all of these other problems, but you know, I don't want to shame anyone, but at the same time, we want to talk about how it's relevant for young people. You know, many young people think it's not a big deal. They've been bombarded with it their whole lives. They think that they'll quit one day if they do have maybe like a value system or a reason, maybe they do understand the research and they know that it can be harmful. Um, but we just want to get the message out to everyone to consider before consuming pornography, yeah. to, to rethink that decision, especially right now. It's a great time to, to be doing that. The new year's coming up. 
we can make changes. Don't wait till January 1st. You can start right now, you know, <laughs> make those changes. And uh, yeah. No, I love this so much. And a hundred percent want to talk about, you know, the, the gray side of this too, because yes, you know, some, if you know someone who's doing porn coming at them with a bunch of statistics may open their eyes, but it probably, you know, won't change behavior. And so I, I think that this is so important in this conversation, but which kind of leads me to, let's say you are in a relationship or you do have a loved one who, you know, does have the struggle. What's a good way to bring that up? I know probably yeah. just like stats, stats, stats isn't going to, but yeah, I'm curious if you have some tips on that. Yeah. I mean, the stats can still be helpful. Yeah. Um, it's not a bad thing to discuss its harms from a factual standpoint. And it is, it's just avoiding doing it in a way that seems mean or shamey or judgmental. Really, the the big thing is that people do need to be have these conversations, especially when you're young and you're dating um, or you're dating someone that you're thinking about getting serious with or marriage or engagement is on the horizon or whatever. Like these are conversations you have to have well before you're married. You should be talking about if someone what is everyone has been exposed to pornography. That's that's a young person for the most part. Right. So the question doesn't have to be like. Hey, you know, I know you probably haven't, but like, have you ever seen porn? Like the question is just like, when was the last time that you saw pornography? What was that exposure like? How did it affect you? Like, did was there a period of your life that you consumed it for a long time? And just being honest, it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be intense, but you both deserve to understand the other person fully if you're going to be loving somebody. And it's important to have these healthy and open conversations because, you know, your, your relationship's only going to talk about more and more complicated subjects over time. So you might as well start somewhere at some point in time. Right. Um, and yeah, it's important for you to be aware of if someone's been exposed or struggling right now, if you're able to support them, uh, what that exposure looked like, you know, you, you deserve to, to know, but also because it's likely, everyone's been exposed, right? Male or female, there's no diversifying factor. Everyone's likely been exposed to pornography in some way and just having healthy conversations about it. Um, And one of the great resources for that is our conversation blueprint. You can check that out on our website at ftnd.org. The conversation blueprint kind of helps ease the stress and anxieties people often have about this topic. Just the word pornography can make some people's skin a little bit scratchy. And, uh, It'll help you prepare ahead of time with icebreakers. You can kind of practice the conversation in the mirror or with a friend, how to keep the conversation going. And also to recognize that it's not healthy or realistic to talk about everything in one conversation. And this is an ongoing discussion. So what's realistic to talk about in a certain time frame and when to bring it up again and how to start the conversation next time and those kinds of things. Because really it just comes down to the fact that people get nervous, anxious, and uncomfortable. Uh, And if we can prepare ahead of time, it will relieve a lot of that, right? If you're going to a job interview, you're going to prepare, you're going to know about the company, you're going to have questions for them, you're going to be prepared to answer questions, you'll have a resume, you'll have done your research, so to speak. Um, And we want to come to these conversations the same way uh, when we're talking with a partner. We want to understand porn's harms, we want to be able to explain our personal values, whether those are religious personal values or just that you think that certain things are important, right? Uh, Whatever your value system may be. Uh, and being able to talk about those in a in a healthy way and have an open and honest discussion. Conversation blueprints. That's genius. Uh, I don't know how <laughs> yeah, long you've had that. House, you've got to have a blueprint, yeah. right? So it's the same same idea. 
No, I don't know how long you've had that available, but I'll definitely point people your way because that's, it is this, well, how do I talk to them about it? And yeah. and sometimes we overthink it and make it more awkward than it needs to be. And so I love it that you've got, right? Yeah. And so I love it that yeah. you, you know, icebreakers and just like take a deep breath and let's just talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you could set aside a time and a place. You can try to make it as comfortable as possible. And you can also recognize that being unprepared means that the person initiating the conversation can not to be rude, but can be introducing some of that awkwardness. If if we're better prepared to have the conversation, it's likely that a person will be less comfortable than if we're stumbling through something that we're not prepared to talk about. True. And I heard it said, you know, the, if you, you were the person who wants to have the conversation, you've downloaded the conversation blueprint. You've thought about this, you've practiced it, but just remember they have no idea. They, this is the first, Yeah. they are not yeah. practiced. And so give, yeah. giving grace to them on that side. But yes, a hundred percent, you should be prepared and you should like not have it memorized and, and not overthink it, but also like, you know, come there with, with a purpose and with a blueprint as if you will. But yeah, I remember someone saying that when they were having a conversation with their boyfriend, like, I'm gonna have this hard conversation. Well, remember, they haven't thought about it for three days. Like, (laughs) you know, you, you have. So for sure. Yeah. And another really, really easy way to start this conversation that requires less stress and work and anxiety is just watching our three-part documentary series, because you can turn on Brain Heart World. It's a three-part documentary series. There are three 30-minute episodes. You don't have to watch them all at once. And you could just say something simple to your partner like, hey, I heard about this documentary that talks about how porn can be harmful. I was wondering if you wanted to watch it with me. Like, Perfect. And you can watch it one part of it, chat about it after, watch another part of it a month later, chat about it after. And then you're like quietly watching something for a half hour that's talking about porn. And at some point, all of that uncomfortableness will just kind of fade away before you ever have to start talking when the 30 minutes is over. So it can kind of help. And there's resources to have conversations after and things like that. So, Well, this is another reason why I love your organization so much, because you're just providing helpful tools. Conversation Blueprint. We try. Brain Heart World. Yeah. I mean, this is good stuff for a generation who is unfortunately overexposed, but needs to have these hard conversations. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm that generation. I'm still in my 20s. Like, yeah. I went through the same things. Like, uh, you're not alone. Whether you've struggled with pornography, whether you don't know how to talk to a partner about this, whether uh, you have a partner that doesn't believe that pornography is harmful, like whatever those different things you may be experiencing are, you're not alone. There's a community of people who have felt the same way, who've had the same problems. And I'm not discounting your experience. I'm just saying you don't have to do this by yourself. There's resources, there's support, and things can always get better, whether you're struggling, whether your partner's struggling, whether you feel alone, whatever it might be, there is always support. Things can always get better. Yeah. I wonder if then kind of alluding to that, what are some first steps, say someone listening, you know, a lot of our, excuse me, a lot of our audience is women. And I think there's a lot of shame of a, of a girl struggling with porn. And so maybe she hasn't admitted that, or maybe she, you know, hasn't talked about it. I know you have first steps or in perhaps someone she's in relationship with or knows well. Anyway, what are some first steps of like, okay, I realize this yeah. is a problem. I want to get better. What, what do we do about it? You know, it, the, this isn't what I would normally say, but I just think if you are a young woman today and you've struggled with pornography and you've never told anyone and you feel shame, you should go to our YouTube right now and you should watch three videos. Uh, there's a bunch, but just maybe pick two or three videos of women who have struggled with pornography and watch those because I think that will change your entire outlook. I think you will hear one of these other women's stories and realize 
you're not the only person that you don't need to feel like something's wrong with you. It, all of these feelings are completely normal, natural and healthy. It's just that pornography is not healthy. So go and listen to someone else's story, realize you're not alone. And maybe that will be the first thing. And then the next thing is talk to someone. If you're struggling, whether you're a, a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. Uh, if you're struggling, the first thing is to talk to someone, whether it's a trusted friend, even if you're in your twenties, you can still talk to your parents, like whatever it is, find someone, a partner, and just confide in them and say, I have been struggling with this. You will feel such a relief talking to someone. And then of course, among all these resources, these are all great. You can check out, um, tons of resources that we have for people this age at ftnd.org slash college. But the, the other thing I would say is consider meeting with a therapist. We live in a day and age where even if you have no money and you're in a situation where you just have no access to that, most plans like health insurance plans nowadays will include at least a few significantly reduced or sometimes free therapy appointments a year. Um, so if you have any form of health insurance, it's likely that you can call them, get more information and get at least maybe like three free appointments or super reduced cost appointments. And that may, may be enough just to at least help and get started. But talking with some, a professional when you're struggling with something like this or you feel alone is a great first step. I love that you just said talk with someone because I've heard it said bringing it into the light because we all have things we're not proud of. But when you don't share that with people and it festers and grows horns Absolutely. and like, you know, then this muddy basement, but bringing it into the light and sharing it with another human, it, as you said, it's like a million pounds off your weight, off your shoulders and so needed. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what the other person might say to you is, oh my goodness, I struggled too yeah. and I'm still struggling or, and I'm better now I can help or whatever <laughs> it might be. Right. Yeah. And you will quickly start to realize that you're not alone. The more that one person feels comfortable telling people, the more everyone else will realize that they can talk about it too and that there's a support system. But yeah, especially for any young woman who, who feels alone, I'm so sorry that you feel that way. And I hope that seeing some of those other stories can help you feel empowered to recognize that you're not the only person who struggled. You're not a bad person for struggling with pornography. It's simply that it's an unhealthy behavior and that it can impact you as an individual, it can impact your current or future relationships and it impacts our society. There's societal impacts of pornography consumption. And so there's just healthier behaviors we could be participating in. Yeah. Amen. Okay. So you do this, you do presentations and stuff at colleges. I know this is going to be interesting because yeah. a lot of our listeners are in college or have connections to their college or yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. So we do live presentations all over and we do different kinds. We speak at middle schools and high schools. We speak to communities. Um, and we also do college presentations or keynotes. So yeah, we would love if you are on a college campus right now and you're vibing with this, you're like, this is great. We would love to come speak at your school. We speak at colleges all the time. I just spoke at a college a month ago um, and we really, really dive into the facts and the resources because we want to get help. So you can invite all kinds of people to your campus to come attend this with diverse backgrounds and we can talk about its harms and then we can talk about the resources as well. So we'll talk about how porn impacts individuals, relationships, and society as a whole. We'll really dive into some nitty gritty research and explain it in depth uh, in a lively, fun, and engaging way. We'll have some jokes. We'll have a good time. And then we'll talk about some resources and help and support and where to go. 
and then and then we'll also do a live Q and A after, and we'll answer your questions and do everything that we can. Um, we've spoken to colleges all over the United States, um, and we would love to come to your campus. So if that's something that you're considering, your college already has a budget to pay for like the travel and things needed for us to come do a live presentation. So just talk with someone at your school. There's already money set aside for this, I promise you, and 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 uh, we we make them as affordable as possible. Or are they're so affordable, um, and we can come and do live presentations on your campus. So I love that. Yay! I travel to campuses too, and I think that it's it's just a fun. First of all, I love you know the age group of the college students is such a you know pivotal time in your life, but. I love it that you're doing that and bringing this, um, as you said, non-legislative, non-religious, whatever the whole longest spiel was, it's important and it's good. And I think that it's, it's very much needed on college campuses for sure. Well, we appreciate that. We appreciate that what you're doing. This is great. Yeah. Okay. So make sure I got all my notes because there's questions I want to ask you. Yeah. I mean, I think we'll put in the show notes, fight the new drug, the brain heart world, your YouTube, yeah. all that good stuff. Make sure people can just scroll down and click, click, click and yeah. get your hands on all that goodness that you guys are doing in the world. All right, Parker, I like to ask this million dollar question to my guest. Ooh. I know, ready? You're sitting down. But if you could have coffee with your 20 year old self, what would you say? Oh, wow. <laughs> what a question. 20, like 2-0. Oh. Yeah, but you know, you can okay. you can give it a range. You can give teenage. You no, can give, I think yeah. that that's a good one. It's just okay. the one I want to answer the least. I just, <laughs> that's why I was making sure. Yeah. Oh, okay, 20. So I was 20 in 2015. So I would tell that person. Let's see, what was I doing in 2015? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, whew, that was a rough <laughs> time in my life, actually. I'm not going to lie. I would tell my 20-year-old self that everything is going to work out that it's going to be fine yeah. because I was going through crazy changes. I had like a weird situation with a former, like someone that I wasn't dating anymore. And then I had figure out what to do with my life. And I dropped out of college and then I went and did the sales thing and just all of this different stuff. Yeah. It was just a really tumultuous time. And I, at the time was just kind of grinding, but looking back, I'm like, Oh, I wish someone could just go back and be like, it's going to be fine. Mm. Like it's all going to work out. Everything's going to be okay. And the funny thing about me saying that is when I'm 40 and someone asks me, what would you tell your 30 year old self or 28 year old self or not whatever? Right. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say, man, I wish I could go back and tell them it's all going to be okay. Because I'm still, the circumstances have changed, but the, the, underlying thing is probably still the same of like it's gonna be okay it's fine regardless of all of these crazy things happening in life it's gonna be okay take a deep breath so yeah that's a good uh that's good for past and present parker that's a good do the next right thing right that's one of the things yeah just do the next right thing that's good well yeah so i think that's probably important for all of our stages of life just take a deep breath and do the next right thing yeah it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay Awesome. Well, so good to hang out with you. We'll make sure we put yeah, all of those you. resources in the show notes and I cannot wait to share this episode. Yeah. And if you want to spread those live presentations with people on your college campus that are in charge of that stuff, you can go to ftnd.org slash live uh, slash live L I V E. And you can send someone from your student body council or someone that works for the school that's in charge of those things. Either way, they both have the power to start the process. So 
Okay, we'll make sure to put that in the notes too. And it's easy to find your stuff. Like fight the new drug, FTND, in okay, case someone didn't hear that. Dot yeah. live to get the, the speaking stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Parker. And I can't wait yeah, to get this. Yeah, thank you, Katie. Yeah, have a great day.